0: Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you will save 15% this year. Again, that's appletoncoffee.com, use code RAE at checkout to save 15%. See,
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Reporting Is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan, and on the internet, maybe I'm Aaron Rodgers tonight. Who knows? Um, and uh, we just uh, beat the Vikings. Aaron has his Twitter hacked, and all is, uh all is weird. So um, we have good news, uh, mostly about the Packers. We uh, are in good shape to make the playoffs if we beat the Lions next week, which might be harder than we think. And uh, to help me break down the Vikings win and the upcoming game, first in Urban Wawatosa, getting mad and happy at the Bucks. We have. Hey, it's
2: Jr. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Not mad, just just wondering if they're going to actually finish off the Washington Wizards. I think they probably will as we record this, but who knows? Uh, before uh, before we get going, I, I I feel like it's it's important to acknowledge the Demar Hamlin situation with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, very sobering moment for pro football and. Obviously, it's it's a little you know you gotta pretty much have a caveat sort of hovering over any any sort of non Hamlin football conversation you have right now. So, uh, so so we'll put that out there at the beginning. It's it's obviously not a great time for frivolity and revolving around the NFL, but right. uh, we're gonna we're gonna go down that road occasionally anyway, sometimes. And and I I do think there is a possibility, you know, just speculating that we could see these games push back in week 18, depending on the health situation with, with the Hamlin in, in the Cincinnati hospital. So um, worth, worth noting and worth pointing out at the, at the very top and uh, just, just a terrible, horrible situation. Yep, so ter- uh, one of
1: the worst things I've ever seen on television. And um, uh, we, I, we, I, we are all obviously hoping that he makes it. And I think we could talk to death about the NFL's response to it in football generally, but um, that's frankly been covered by a lot of other people, and um, it's it's dicey to talk about. If if you want your fill of um, you know NFL politics and updates on Demar Hamlin, who uh, as of this evening, uh, by most accounts, is actually at least doing a little bit better and has perhaps stabilized a little bit, which is good. Um, you can you can get those elsewhere, but yeah, Jar's right. We have to at least acknowledge it's there because it might actually affect the game next week, if for, for no other reason than that. And um, you know, I, I don't think we want to. Dwell on it on this podcast. It is not the purpose of this podcast.
0: That's true. Let's segue to Matab. This yeah. is perfect. Go, Matab. And I'm Matt, but you can call me at Aaron Rogers12. Breaking news crypto leak, <laughs> hashtag Bitcoin, hashtag Ethereum. <laughs>
2: So you actually are breaking news for me because I didn't know that Aaron Rodgers had been hacked. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> I usually feel like I have alerts set up for his tweets, which are few and far enough between that I've been able to do that. But I haven't seen anything from him tonight.
1: He had a hacked tweet that actually was responding to Elon's tweets of the. Venn he Di- responded to a lot of people. He that oh, tweet that, got posted a bunch of times. That's the one I saw. It responded to it was Elon's tweet of the Venn diagram of 1984, um, Brave New World, and uh, what was the and uh, shoot, what was the other dystopia? I'm I'm dumb. Uh, Animal Farm?
0: No, it's Fahrenheit 451. Ah, okay. But regardless, that is something that Aaron Rodgers probably would respond to. It would. Yeah, that's right in his wheelhouse. It is.
2: I don't know if I can. Is his? Did he delete his account temporarily or suspended? It that's, probably. Uh... So
0: usually when accounts get hacked and used for nefarious purposes, they get temporarily suspended while they are given back to their proper owner.
2: Oh, very good. Yep. All right. All um, right if well... you go
0: to if you go to my page, there's like a meme about it. Uh, Tyler Herrick. Made a meme saying that it was actually Dan Campbell who hacked his. his <laughs> there's
1: also a contest to guess his password out there, which everybody should play.
0: Oh man, that's Jared. G- so what do you think? Mine, what was, do you think mine,
1: Aaron was, mine was Blue 52 of Earth.
2: That was mine. <laughs> I saw that.
0: Mine was Harry Hands 420. <laughs>
2: uh, that's fantastic. Or, or something about his height. Uh, maybe just clap for me. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I'm really over six foot. I promise.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have to give it some thought, but uh, but yes. Uh, okay, Packers winners over the Minnesota Vikings, thumping the Minnesota Vikings. And you know what? The crazy thing about it is, we're speaking of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wasn't even that good. No, He, he, didn't, even, he didn't need to do anything. 159 yards passing in an absolute blowout. That's yeah, uh, that's he crazy.
0: he ran the touchdown in. Well, yeah,
1: that was those good. Two and yards he did, were huge. He did the belt, but he could have had could have had a couple touchdowns to Watson had he throwing the ball a little bit better and you know
0: but there were also a couple to Watson that he was obviously interfered with with. also
1: true you're right there's a lot of physical play in, in the defense in this game and it benefited the Packers so should not complain about it too much
2: I cannot believe that they have gotten themselves into a situation where they win and they're in, uh, which is the case here this weekend. Now, after it was a three percent chance that they'd make the playoffs <laughs> should, before they beat the Rams, they have gone on a run. This is this is wild stuff. I should apologize
1: to everybody because I was definitely the one saying that they were dead many many weeks ago. And well, who uh, wasn't? It, <laughs> I was. I feel like I, I, one of the things I do is I'm not ambiguous about things like that. If it gets to plus or minus three percent, going to happen? Not going to happen. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. But. <laughs> they they did it. Uh, or they they've almost done it. They're they're there. They they got yeah. all the breaks, and they're right back in this thing. Plus, you Ron Rivera,
0: three percent is a rounding error. Yeah,
2: I mean, it is truly difficult to explain to the future generations why Ron Rivera thought that Carson Wentz was going to somehow be the answer here. <laughs> uh, Washington, in general, is not a great team, and I think we all knew that. So there was always, I think, a chance that they would implode upon themselves. But but Carson Wentz, like that ship sailed like the data is out there it's not happening you can't make him happen again and and they 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 voluntarily started him for an entire football game and he did exactly what you'd expect
1: i think my theory on the whole washington experience is that last week in last week's washington game tyler haneke had a visible altercation with people on the offense with coaches and I think that he was benched for disciplinary reasons and that Ron Rivera legitimately didn't realize the gravity of the game he was coaching, as we learned in, in the post game after the fact when he seemed to not know that this was <laughs> an elimination
2: game. Yeah, certainly that was making the rounds, the viral sort of, we can be eliminated tonight, sort of perplexed. I did accept his explanation a little bit afterwards, his clarification that uh, it might have been a situation where like, he just was not being coy or, or obtuse about it, but just kind of like, I didn't even, uh, you know, I haven't been game planning for how we back our way into the playoffs. Like, I can, I can accept that to a degree, but it still informs your decision-making. If you are not aware of every scenario on the table, you have to know that this could be the last meaningful football game you play this year. So... Y- y- Yes, I don't you know. Do. It, maybe it's discipline, but like you got to start your best quarterback at this spot, and you can you can worry about the fallout after. He's nobody, nobody. Neither one of those guys will be quarterbacking the Washington Commanders next year, anyway. So like, just just go with it. I don't know, man.
0: I'm just I'm really enjoying being right. That's my favorite. I part can't of believe
1: you were right. I'm so mad. Like, <laughs> like Matt put out into the world that the, the Washington's going to be so dumb that they play Carson Wentz and get the Packers into the playoffs. Right. He's like three weeks ago said that like, <laughs> they're not. Nobody's that stupid. Like. Jim, so, uh, I I'm not a good predicting couple weeks for me. Um, things just so you, against me.
0: You guys know Ron Rivera's nickname, right? Yeah, Riverboat River Ron. Ron.
1: Everybody knows that, right? And
0: so he took a gamble on Wentz It didn't pay off.
2: No. This game against the Vikings could not have started worse for the Packers. They get a punt blocked and uh, sets sets up Minnesota at the one at yard line. First and goal two. on the one. The two. two, the, two. the two. It was like one and a half, though, right? Like it was okay. Yeah, maybe. it was like one and a half. We'll half. say two. We'll say two. Anyway, that was a an absolute touchdown waiting to happen. But the goal line stand, and then uh, Vikings settle for a field goal. They kick off to Kayshawn Nixon. We absolutely know what happens next. But uh, I, I I said in my living room, well, this is this game's over. The Packers are going to get boat raced. Like this is where this <laughs> this is where midnight <laughs> strikes, blocked punts. It's 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 the reliving of the of the playoff game last year. And that's it. That's what this it's, is where it ends. I, adds, I was you? it's going to be Viking BS again. That's what's going to yep. happen. And
0: well, <laughs> if. In the APC Slack chat, I think like six other people said ball game and there was only four of us in the Slack at the time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, But
0: something I thought was kind of funny is it was exactly like being on the opposite side of every bad Packers loss that the the Nixon touchdown is the punch in the mouth to the other team that would normally cripple the Packers.
1: Yeah, that's kind of true. I do feel like this was the... The Packers get all the breaks game, which we haven't had in quite a while. So that that's exactly correct. And Minnesota just folded like a tent.
2: Unbelievable inability to defend the kick return. I mean, Kayshawn Nixon. Like when you watched it develop, it was like it was obvious that he was just going to return it for a touchdown. <laughs> that's a big the hole. holes were so wide, yep. and so the, uh,
0: I I don't think that the end zone angle makes the hole look bigger than it actually is because there is a closing defender that he had to navigate there's there's some s curve to his ball path um, a little bit but, but yes, it's...
1: part of the closing of that hole was the kicker um, who got himself too far upfield. and well the... oh i'm saying
0: prior to that there was someone coming in laterally oh okay but yes it was still very it was still very impressively blocked and i believe that we should build a statue of rich pisachia Melted down of all other statues of any <laughs> special teams coordinator in the history of special teams coordination.
2: It's like the Game of Thrones throne made out of other special teams coordinators. You've got you've got the Ron Zook over here and the Sean Slocum over there, and just it's, just build a Mensa statue. It's out of it. unbelievable it. how good Keyshawn Nixon is. I,
1: I kind of keep waiting for him just to like turn into a normal return man, and just no every every time it's like thirty yards minimum and like a chance to break it. It's incredible. Well,
0: he leads. Leads the league in yardage, right?
1: Yes, despite playing half the games of everybody else.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, if you look at his total returns versus the other leaders, how is it? Well,
1: I I think um, the Vikings returner is number two, right? Um, The Vikings
0: returner is number two, but he has a significant amount of returns more.
1: Yes, and we will pull up data on that in in the. (laughs) second. All right.
0: So, JR, let's talk about JJ Enigbari. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> 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 this Where is what happens. See, uh, uh, this is what happens when I go to look up special team stats. <laughs> yeah.
0: JJ Anigbari, known by announcers as Kingsley, uh leads all rookie pass rushers with a 15.3 percent pass rush win rate. I not see
2: that.
1: Higher than Aiden Hutchinson. Higher than George Karlafis. Higher than Thibodeau. Higher than everybody. Um, and
0: he was drafted in the fifth G dang round.
2: <laughs> I would like to point out that I would still rather have one of those other three gentlemen versus Engabari <laughs> if it's a either or situation. So I don't want to suggest that I think he is better than those guys at this point. However, um, absolute steal in the draft at this point and uh, a key contributor. And I pointed this out to Peter Bukowski on Twitter. The 2022 draft class is full, it has two first round picks, neither of whom have fully you know, realized I think, close to what they could be, right? Like, Devontae Wyatt, some of it is they just don't let him get on the field. Quay Walker is, you know, an inconsistent player at this point. Both of those guys could be very good. But right now, those two first-round guys are question marks, I would say. Your third-round guy is suspended and done for the year. There are two guys in this draft that don't play every week and are routinely on the (laughs) inactive list. Also true. And yet, the 2022 draft class might be amazing. Because of Kingsley and Gabari, JJ and Gabbari, because of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, you know, you're getting even, you know, some pro- some production out of Samari Tour. Uh, Touré. So, like, this is a, a huge win and could be, like, honestly, a franchise defining draft if Wyatt and Quay Walker turn out to be legitimate playmakers, which I think is still on the table. You know, I don't yep. you know what he's saying. That's not going to happen. So, I, I, I
0: will, would like to see some yeah. production out <laughs> of Samari
1: Tour. <laughs> I'll actually yeah. go to bat for, I think, Bari as potentially better than those guys only okay. here only for this reason um he he was second in hutchinson in college football in pressure aid. And so it's carried over into the NFL. I think a lot of people thought it was going that that stat would not carry over because he was not an elite athlete. And edge guys almost always are elite athletes. Uh, that has not been the case. He has managed to maintain his college production via, you know, savvy and strength and all the junk besides explosiveness and running a 40yard dash really quickly. Uh, and the fact that he's done this before makes me think that it might stick, and if it does, then they really have something. Um, a lot of those other guys that were drafted ahead of him were more projection guys, not not Aiden, but a lot of the other guys were, and he is sort of a finished package already. It's really it's really cool to see. Um, by the way, uh, Kenne Nwangwu for the Vikings has 35 returns for 920 yards and one touchdown. Keyshawn has 31 returns, so
2: just four fewer, but for more yards, 930 and a touchdown. So there you go. I did put together at jsonline.com a list of all the kickoff returns in Packers history, uh, which <laughs> might seem like an arduous task, but it is not. There are only 31 of them, at least going back to 1940, which I felt like was a fair a fair cutoff point. That so. news was my guidance there. But, um, I, you know, I don't know if anyone said this, but it just didn't really sink in. First kickoff return by a Packers player in 11 years, which is the Randall Cobb opening night of his rookie season against the new Orleans saints, Thursday night football. Uh, that's the last time they've had one. And before that, it was another 11 years before <laughs> the last kickoff return. That is the year 2000. So like, we,
1: was that been, basil or was that after basil?
2: Uh, so there is one after basil. Okay. There's uh Alan Rossum. Uh, that's in the, year, the 2000 season. But of course, yeah. The one we love is the one that happened t- er, te- same year, technically earlier in, in early January of 2000, after the 19 at the end of the 1999 season. In the more points, more points 99. 99. Ah, <sighs> it's so good. Basil so good Mitchell,
0: about. I love Basil Mitchell. He's such All a right. good trivia guy to know. We said more points 99. Drink,
2: yep. we sure did, and we should drink. It's it's a glorious thing, and uh, it's a shame that the tiebreakers have been renegotiated so that uh, point differential doesn't have more to do with which teams go to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but uh I, I feel I feel like we've we've gone a long time without talking about Jair Alexander, so I don't know if there are other things we want to just, you know, empty empty the bag here before so, we spend nah. so much I, time. I
0: take issue I take issue with the next point in the rundown.
1: With Kenny Clark ate up Garrett Bradbury's replacement?
0: He ate up Gad, Garrett Bradbury's replacement's replacement. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, they had nothing for Kenny Clark, and he murdered people. And the strip sack fumble is about as impressive a play as a big guy can make. That was that was unbelievable.
1: It was, but we should talk about Jair because did, otherwise, we did, we you, just guys out of time. Matt's did you guys ever see it?
0: Matt, did you guys ever sure see the? T- I'm gonna make sure you don't. <laughs> did you see the trash talk between Kenny Clark and MVS after MVS left the team? No, what? I did. Oh, they so they're friends and they talk crap to each other on Twitter okay. pretty regularly. MVS said that Kenny Clark was built like an air fryer. And like I can't get that image out of my head. Kind of is. <laughs>
1: that doesn't seem like an insult, though. No, it sounds delicious. <laughs> it sounds like a nickname I would adopt and sell t shirts of. Kenny the air fryer.
2: <laughs> but uh okay, so bullet points before Jair, TJ Slayton, big block <laughs> in the game that leads to an interception. TJ Slayton having a phenomenal year. Yes. Devonte Devontae Wyatt, 34 snaps. It's actually happening with him. It is. The, Dean Lowry the- being gone is so good yeah that's the the front is so improved from earlier this season it is crazy uh pretty much overall great great defensive effort uh, Kirk Cousins the best he could do is with his legs which is probably a good situation uh, for uh for the Packers he threw he threw multiple interceptions and uh that was pretty sweet AJ Jair Alexander shut down Kirk Cousins best option Justin Jefferson one catch Five targets, 15 yeah. yards, one penalty that wasn't called on unsportsmanlike when he threw his helmet into a referee. No, he one literally fritty.
0: hit. He hit the ref with his helmet. I, I will it say, still
1: in defense in of Justin hands. Jefferson, he realized a half second before he made contact that he shouldn't be doing this and pulled up as much as he could. It was an accident. He didn't see the ref when he started swinging it.
0: But also his his one catch came against soft zone when Jair wasn't
1: following. He sure did. <laughs> against Jair. I believe Jair allowed one catch for
2: one yard total, right? That was something like that. Obviously, you can't defend Justin Jefferson with one person no matter how good that person is. They gave Jair a lot of help and uh that was part of the part of the overall package, but bottom line, Justin Jefferson did nothing. That's his worst output ever uh in terms of catches. And, so <laughs> and really just it, a just it, an incredible performance.
1: An impressive performance on rewatch too because he's just with him the whole time and there is a lot of grabbing and hand fighting that goes on there between both of them. But, he, like, Justin Jefferson never had more than, like, six inches of separation on Alexander the whole game. It was, so, it must have been the most annoying game ever for, to be Justin Jefferson, because Jair was, like, in talking distance of him the whole time and probably never yeah, shut up yeah, the whole no game. No doubt was talking,
0: absolutely. <laughs> do you guys know who Kamel Nyanjani is? Not at all. Yes? Oh, I do. Okay. He's a stand-up comedian turned actor. He's yeah. in... Marvel something anyway he has a bit that reminds me a lot about what happened in this game so they said that like Jair has safety help the whole game so it's not as impressive um, Kumail Nanjiani has a bit about uh, a new street drug called cheese that is a mixture of cold medicine and heroin okay. <laughs> and he's like really the heroin is doing the heavy lifting in this <laughs> yes. Um, yes Jair Alexander had safety help <laughs> But it was a washed Adrian Amos, who was awesome, Let's and be Darnell
2: Savage, who returned up pick six. And when everyone in my house was like, "Oh my gosh, it's fourth down, you dummy! Put that ball, like, spike that ball to the ground! Don't catch it! Don't catch Oh wait, well, gosh, no. we're good with that. We're yep. fine. Dar- Darnell showing
1: some some moves. Um, I I'm impressed. Not with his coverage, but with his run back.
0: <laughs> yeah. So next year he's going to be a seven million dollar kick returner.
1: Nah, we want Keyshawn back. We don't want that. Don't put that into the world. You've been they, too successful. Are they gonna
0: pay? Are they gonna pay Keyshawn?
1: I, I hope they do.
2: I don't know if they will. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I also, for me, it's still Russell Douglas is ringing in my head. This amazing find, who was so sensational last year, but it required flash plays to make it sensational, and then they paid him. And I mean, Russell Douglas, obviously, he he actually is the the star of the Darnell Savage interception, sort of. I mean just breaking up the, the pass that deflecting it right to Savage. But, you know, he's he's had an okay year, but I don't know if they would do it again if they could. I, I for I know that we're talking about two different completely different players, but that's just still in my head. Like, can you expect Keyshawn Nixon to return kicks for touchdowns next year? I mean, those happen so rarely. I, I don't know. Or or fifty yard fifty yard kickoff returns. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs>
0: oh sorry i'm shrug. i'm shrugging i forget this is an audio it, format. It is an audio format shrugging
2: so <laughs> <laughs> like, you thought know, you want to talk i was like
0: no i was literally shrugging
2: yeah. anyway do we have more on Jair? because i feel like we haven't talked enough we should about talk about Jair, his big like
1: hat and his trash talking after the game because uh i love
0: so much that the big hats are still around <laughs>
1: It'll be one of those things that's very hard to explain ten years from now. And just have to be like, Brian Robinson wore one once, and then it kind of caught on, but not that much. Uh,
0: but not only, not only did Brian Robinson wear one, he goes, "Yo, if you want a big hat, I know a guy." <laughs>
2: and, and the perfect tweet was, which tells you that Brian Robinson is a very good friend. <laughs> because amen to that. But it has somehow caught on. I mean, Brian Robinson, well done. I think you launched your friend into some sort of some sort of like corporate fame. I don't understand it. I don't know if it's an ironic thing. I don't think it is. I think it might have crossed over from ironic to just like, this is what we do now? I don't know. We've talked
0: about the hats on the podcast before, yes?
2: I don't think we have, at least not enough. Oh, they are $75. $75.
0: So what it is, is it's a a brimless hat that is your proper fitted hat size, and then a bunch of foam, and then the giant hat. So it fits your head like a normal hat. Sure. Uh, Wow. But yeah, they're, they're like seventy-five bucks, and and that's for like a blank hat.
2: Yeah, and that's wild. As
0: far as I know, there are no official team, uh, licenses. Oh, oh hats. there's no
1: there's no NFL license on the big hat. Okay, no, no, there is no surprise.
2: <laughs> okay, well, we'll see how that lasts. But I, yeah. I, oh,
0: by the way, it's called Noggin Boss, and it was on Shark Tank.
2: It was on Shark Tank, which <laughs> I, I
1: want to track that one down. I feel like they would laugh a lot at that idea, but who
2: knows? Maybe not. I would laugh at it too but then I see athletes wearing it and it's like some, some, for some reason this is catching on into the ether someone had their finger on the pulse way better than I did because uh, I thought it was just goofy and now I think it might be a thing I still think a so year for... from now we're going to be wondering looking back and being like remember when this, it'll be like remedy but well, how did that become a thing for for 25 minutes so for
0: $80 you can get a gray hat with a patch on it that says world's best boss who wants <laughs> one
2: <Jeez. laughs> Oh my goodness. Um so uh so before we I mean, if there's nothing else we we've kinda of mentioned all the defensive aspects. We gotta talk about Joe Barry, guys. We gotta talk about him. We do. We really do. He, he got seems to have evolved. He has he has gotten
1: better. He's changed things up. Um <laughs> Uh, Matt's grunting about this but it's undeniably true we got to give credit where credit's due um if you follow uh Dyer Carriger, who's I don't know how to say Irish words um I've always called him dare dare uh on Twitter he he pointed out a lot of the tendency changes that the Packers of Matt have made lately which is that they um they changed up most of their base scheme um and uh Nah, sorry, I'm trying to read a tweet in live time. and I shouldn't do that. Uh, bottom line is they're blitzing a lot less. They're pressing a lot more. And um, they're going from uh, cover one, three to cover two, six more often. And I don't know the difference between those because I don't care. And so, cover six doesn't exist. It, that's an Acme Packing Company. Uh, that's an no, that's, a, joke. That's, a, that's an internet like, is thing. Is that an JR, are you,
2: joke? Yeah, Jr. are you aware of that? Only because you've talked about it on this yeah, podcast okay. through oh, the lens yeah, so, of Acme Packing Company.
0: So yes, in, instead of instead of having uh, one man deep and then allowing the corners to come up and make it cover three, the Packers are often starting with two men deep and converting to quarter, quarter, half when they do go into a cover three sort of look.
1: Yeah. Uh, bottom line is it does allow for more of what we've been asking for, for Jair to track things, to track the best players and things like that. It's hard to do if you can't generate pass rush um, without blitzing. And thanks to um, Inagbari and Preston being halfway decent most of the time, uh, they've been able to do it, and it's worked. So Joe Barry has learned. This was obviously a very well uh, well crafted game plan that leaned on his best players to shut down the opposing best players. And uh, it's good to see. It's uh, you know it, it, we have to give credit when guys evolve,
2: and it was a it was a nice job. Truly their best defensive performance of the year. But I will point out, we were here last year, too. We were talking about this. Oh, you know, the thing about nepotism hires is that, you know, they do get multiple chances to, to prove what they know and or to figure it out. Okay, he figured it out, but then it went south, you know. And so I, I feel like we've been, this place, been here with Dom Capers before, too, where it's like, you know, he just maybe doesn't have it, but flashed a little bit at the right time and you know maybe you start to change your mind it's like uh, i don't know i i am i'm certainly not like eager to i don't think anyone well, is on that the, uh,
1: the question is can he do it again here because <laughs> right the lions are a different animal and can't do the same thing necessarily and have that work against them maybe you might actually be able to kind of do the same thing i was gonna say are they that different there i think they're a little different in that uh justin jefferson is sort of like adam thielen has declined pretty significantly. He's not terrible. He's kind of like um, older Alan Lazard at this point. That's what Adam Thielen brings to the table. KJ Osborne's oh, not... I was going to
0: say he's Geordie on the Raiders.
1: <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. He's worse than that, though. KJ Osborne's not that good. Uh, you don't have to worry about him. You can cover him with anybody. And then Hawkinson uh, is uh, very different than anything the Lions have right now. They used to have him, but <laughs> they no longer do. So uh, the lines we'll get to them in a moment, but they're very much a two-man show in the pass- passing game. And those two men are very different than Justin Jefferson. They're like, uh, if you broke Justin Jefferson in half into two guys. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get there. But it's I, I feel like a very different animal to, to defend Detroit.
2: I wonder if they choose, you know, make up their mind about what to do with the defensive coordinator based on how this goes, this last game. And I don't know if it's it's, it's never about one game. But, you know, if you're a playoff qualifying defense and you got better over the course of the year, isn't that what you want? You know, get to get better as the year goes on, to be at your best at the end of the season. At the same time, still feel like there are just a lot lot more inspiring hires and options out there. But I, I, I don't know. The inertia of we know this guy and we had success, we went to the playoffs might, might rule here. I, I'm really not sure.
1: I also do wonder how much of the bad players that played a lot were Joe Berry guys and how much... The new guys who have played a lot more like um, people in place of, like TJ Slayton and lately Wyatt's and um, getting Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon out there for some of the passing downs. I wonder how much that is at the insistence of LaFleur going over his head
0: because I also I don't understand Uh with Barry's obsession with Penny. Why would you not want TJ Slayton out on the field because he is two whole dudes.
1: It's weird. It's very strange, um, but it doesn't really matter because now the right players are playing. The personnel is correct and um, he's been effective with them.
0: Yeah. Well, as long as the Packers aren't literally embarrassed defensively in the wild card round, Joe Barry's back. I
1: think he probably is back. Oh man.
2: Maybe the lines will put up 50 and then he won't. Be well, good. right. That's, that's not the other good thing. Either. <laughs> I'm not convinced the Packers win this game. I, I don't know if I believe that. I, I think it's legitimately 50, 50, uh, Obviously, the team that played against Minnesota is going to beat the Detroit Lions, but I, I this is the first time we've seen that team, so I don't know. Yeah, um, and the Lions
1: have been their own brand of awesome um, the last half of the season, too. The Packers have been on the surge, but the Lions have been on a better surge. They are uh, fourth in DVOA over the, since week 10. The Packers are sixth, and they've routinely beaten the tar out of their opponents, with um, the only real exception being Carolina, a weird game that I think is worth watching to Inform on how to beat the Lions. The Lions have been great, and I'm with Jr. Like I, I'm with you on this. Like I don't, I'm not confident in the Packers winning this game. I think, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to pick the Lions. Uh, the outdoors of it is what's kind of bringing me back to the Packers. But uh, uh, I, I feel like this is one where they might get outsmarted, and just uh, if the Lions can make their offense run and get into a shootout, their offense is better than Green Bay's is.
2: On uh, speaking of offense here with the with the Packers offense, Aaron Jones, man, when we discussed the, the contract situation of bringing back Aaron Jones, part of the part of the equation was for, for us, for a lot of people, you know, and, and everyone knows our stance on running backs anyway, but they got A.J. Dillon like the A.J. Dillon might not be Aaron Jones, but he's close enough and he's shown that he could be the workhorse and, and don't spend money on Aaron Jones when you have you know, AJ Dillon, a reasonable backup and a couple other guys you can fill in, fill in for the rest of the production somewhere along the way. But I think what we've seen this year is that Aaron Jones is just in another league. I mean, I mean, no offense to AJ Dillon, who has his role had a great touchdown run, you know, continues to be impressive. What's not to love about the guy. He he loves door County, but like Aaron Jones is a very special (laughs) talent at that position. And he is, he's showing it. He was incredible in this game.
0: Yeah, I love AJ Dillon, but Aaron Jones is that dude.
2: He is that dude. He's
1: much much better than AJ is. Um he leads the league in every meaningful running back stat. Rushing yards over expected, rushing yards over expected percentage. Uh he's he's phenomenal and he is much better than his backup. So, and they'll, I think they'll need him to beat the Lions. They'll need guys ripping off 7 yards a carry to actually maintain a good offense against them. It uh he's he's a tricky one. He's prohibitively expensive next year. He's probably going to end up on another team. And uh, he's not one that you can just replace with any guy off the street. He's actually special. I, <laughs> it, weird to be in a position where I, I have to defend a running back, but you're not going to replace his production with just anybody. It's
2: not going to happen. Yeah, the contract they signed him to is a good one. It it, it works out pretty much. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. You guys want to rapid fire the rest of the offense?
2: Uh, sure. Okay.
0: So Lazard returned to DVOA. Efficiency supremacy.
2: Yeah, first downs. He did. Did they <laughs> forget just... about third and Cobb? They they've turned it into third and Lazard. <laughs> well,
0: they they also had a third and Cobb. Was...
2: I know they did. It was like the same. It was like Lazard Cobb Lazard. It was amazing. That is Lazard's uh... mo. It's
1: Cobb's mo too. That's what those guys are there for, and it's why it's good to have the, the outside guys. So you can work them over the middle and convert easy first downs instead of throwing fourth and one bombs, which we yeah. still are doing. Um, but yeah, it was good to see Lazard catch everything that was thrown to him. Uh, well, that's not true; he did drop one, didn't he?
0: Um, but uh, <laughs> so, my, my personal favorite was though awesome. was it, So it was like, it was like third and four, and uh, Lazard was in the slot. And I look over at my wife. This is like early in the game when it was still a game, and I was like, God, I hope they don't get cute here. I just want to see like a like a three step slant over the middle. And then, like Lazard runs a three-step slant, catches over the middle in front of—I think it was Patrick Peterson. Nice. And my wife looks at me like, "Are you a wizard?" And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> He's a wizard.
1: By the I way, guess. Justin Jefferson was first in DVOA going into this game, and he fell to fifth after this game. Ooh, <laughs> holy got, crap! Got passed by uh, T. Higgins, t-
2: uh, Tyler Boyd, Jalen Waddle, and uh, Stephon Diggs. So, Oof. big fall. Yikes. You know, Christian Watson didn't have a good good game either per se. He Only caught the one ball, but he's coming off of an injury. It wasn't clear he was gonna play in this game. Uh Aaron couldn't seem to hit him. I, I wasn't clear if that was just Watson being a step slow or Rogers just being Rogers. I lean the latter, as you might imagine. But uh, you know, whatever. It was, it, it was physical it was corners a, and such. And yes,
0: that's that's what it was.
2: It was a whole lot of whistle swallowing.
1: Also, that being said, so I, I understand Christian Watson's gonna lose like physical battles at the point of the catch um more often than not with with corners but he's gotta be a little more physical with blowing by guys when they're trying to jam him like he, he, one of those was him getting hit early in the route and he's just gotta separate and go on those which he'll he'll oh, learn yeah. he
0: was he was held after like six yards he, or something he was and he still didn't, and he's he gotta didn't learn with
1: time though that he's he's just gotta plow like accelerate past that and not let it stop him uh
2: big bob Tanyan? Uh, that that was one of the nicest plays of the game. Wide open. Good throw from Aaron, but like just wide open. Bob Tunyon. That was a long touchdown. And uh,
0: that was nice. 20, 20 something yards, right? Yep.
2: Some nice trickoration.
0: So, by the way, watch the all 22 of Bob's touchdown pass. Watson's also wide open.
2: It was a good route. It was a good yes, play design for Matt. It was a Matt special. Awesome. Just well done. Uh, you had Mason Crosby making a 56 yard field goal hilariously on a day. <laughs> when they brought up Ramiz Ahmed from the practice squad with the intent to have him handle kickoffs because Mason's leg isn't doing its part on kickoffs and then that's the day that he hits a 56-yarder off the uh, was that off the crossbar or was that even off the
0: off the, the l- off the lower
1: crossbar, lower crossbar. Yeah, yeah. okay
2: bounced yeah. over the crossbar
1: could could not Incredible. have been an inch further
2: back it would not have been good uh, a positive doink wonderful wonderful moment uh rogers took a 16 yard sack which was weird he's it was the only sack of the game so it wasn't that big a deal but like (sighs) rogers not great uh and if anything like that's this gives me a little bit of pause like yes they were opportunistic and made it you know kickoff return pick six like there's a little flukiness to that and and even though it was a blowout and they win this game in every dimension and that's great i i i you know, like I'm looking for things that are replicable, and and the offense was, I shouldn't say the offense, but Aaron Rodgers was just a, just you know below average at best, maybe average, you could say, and uh, and I don't know, like that that still concerns me. Like I I don't I don't even think the team clicked on every single cylinder in if, this game. And If,
1: if they get this Rodgers game next week, they'll have trouble because. Uh, Kirk will turn the ball over. Kirk tur- does turn the ball over fairly regularly. They've forced turnovers. Detroit never turns the ball over. They're the team that has turned the ball over the least in the league. The last time Jared Goff threw an interception was to Jair Alexander. Um, that was in week nine. He, they, he has not thrown one since then. So um, you can't rely on your defense scoring touchdowns. And maybe Keyshawn gets one, but um, you know that offense has to actually show up and score points if they're going to win this game
2: my family all lions fans. I'm actually going to this game. I got tickets for my wife who's a lions fan to uh, to see this finale. I got them a few weeks ago when it was looking a little bleak. I thought maybe it'd be a playoff game for the lions and it certainly still could be, but unfortunately that's not a guarantee and not not even a good guarantee. Um but you know, like they're even starting to warm up to Jared Goff as like maybe he's maybe he's good, you know he's good and I'm just like he's not that's good. Not- do that's that. Stockholm syndrome. But <laughs> I uh, love
0: I love so much that the lions are going to have a top 10 pick not their own. I know. Who saw that coming? And people are like, "Yeah, they're going to trade down."
2: (laughs) Well, what's really funny is they need the Seahawks to beat the Rams, and the Rams losing. And I haven't calculated this out, so maybe it's not true. But that would theoretically make that pick that they own even better uh, next year. So uh, it's just. uh, I thought they
0: need the Seahawks to lose.
2: They do need the Seahawks to lose, but like the but the Seahawks. So they need
0: the Seahawks to lose in order to.
2: Correct. Sorry. So yes, they need the but the Seahawks play the Rams. So if the Seahawks win. Uh, it's over. That's for the, bad. Yeah. It eliminates the lions. Yeah. It improves their draft pick, but it 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 eliminates the lions from the postseason. Right. Which which is a huge drag. Honestly, I mean, it's a drag because I personally care. I'd like the lions to be involved. I'd like for I'd like to be guaranteed that either my wife or I leave Lambeau Field with the satisfaction that a team that we care about is going to be going on to the playoffs, but Indeed. Seattle can absolutely ruin that and completely deflate Detroit. And oh. and I know, people, <laughs> no, 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 listen, listen. I know that people have been floating that around. Like Detroit's going to be jacked up to play the Packers no matter what. And their season, you know, who cares if their playoffs are over, they will do everything they can. And you know what? That's probably true to a degree. I know how much the Packers have tormented the lions over the years, but that like, that trauma does not extend to every player on this roster. The, the, the Lions beat the Packers early this year, first of all. Yeah. Uh, and and more than that, like I, there's just how rare is the scenario where you go into the final week of an 18 week NFL season? you, are in playoff contention when you wake up in the morning and then 15 to 25 minutes before kickoff, you discover that your playoff dream is dead. That is so deflating. I don't know how human beings can just be like, you know what though? It's the Packers and that's all I care about. And I'm going to march forward. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough ask. Yeah. That's but to me,
0: that's, to me, the the flip side of that is I have nothing left to play for. Let's no, ruin the their season. Let's ruin their season too.
1: I sure. also they do have a coach who's good at this specific kind of motivation. Like that's kind of Dan Campbell's thing. Is yeah, but you
2: don't even have time to instill that when you're when the game that matters ends moments before tip. You know you're on the field warming up. You know you're not you're not getting like a fiery coaching pregame speech. I, I, actually, you probably are. Yeah, but you are. You've <laughs> totally. Are. But, but like that's that's it. That's it. There's no there's no time to readjust your thinking. There's no time to really like refocus you, you almost have to come into that morning built already built in expecting the worst if you're going to be playing at peak level obviously anything could happen in the nfl and and obviously the lions will be motivated to some degree i just do think it benefits the packers when when people say having these games played at different times could potentially benefit the packers i agree with that it does. i do it absolutely think they will does get a benefit, benefit the packers
1: it's it's worse for the for the lions and benefits the packers uh 100 we should mention really quick uh jared goff is fourth in dvoa and there's a pretty significant drop off after him. The, the top four guys are all pretty close, and that's Garoppolo, Mahomes, Tua, and, and Goff. And uh which is a weird group. Yeah.
2: So, <laughs> How many people want three of those four quarterbacks? That's <laughs> their quarterback.
1: <laughs> nobody nobody but Mahomes. Yeah, Garoppolo, man. this that that scheme is
2: insane. That's stupid Shanny. Um pretty.
1: Yeah, it's pretty.
2: It's good. Um, Anyway, we talked about Rogers using the pump fake and then dishing out the belt, which we haven't seen in quite some time. And, uh, that should do it. That's offense. Unless there's anything else. Zach, Tom, baby. Zach, Tom stud. He's good.
0: Zach, Zach, Tom, big fella goes about six seven three (laughs) eighty five.
2: That's not the Zach Tom I'm talking about. (laughs) I was making a bill
0: Brasky reference.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I missed that. My bad. Um, Let's talk about the Detroit Lions some more. I know we've kind of just been talking Let's about them, but do uh, it fourth BBOA okay. since we can. <laughs> yes. It's not fair, man.
1: they've been really, really good, and um, they're they're a fun, exciting team. Plays great offense. Their defense has gotten quite a bit better in the second half of the season, especially basically starting with the Packer game where they held the Packers to nine points. Um, their pass defense has especially improved. It is mostly coincided with the discovery slash um, uh, institution of James Houston at Edge Rusher opposite Aiden Hutchinson. He has eight sacks in six games. He had three last week against the Bears. The only game he hasn't had one in that he's played in is Carolina. That's it. Otherwise, he's had a sack every game of his career. Um, and uh, they have been a terror to quarterbacks since then. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 much, much, much more difficult team to deal with than before. The other thing they have gotten back is DJ Chark, who... Is the actual closest comp to Christian Watson that exists out there? Um, he is averaging 18 yards a catch. He's catching over half of his balls, and uh, th- like I, I mentioned, they have sort of the combo of or the Justin Jefferson split into two people. He's only good deep, and Amon Ross Saint Brown is only good short. And uh, between the two of them, it's hard to guard them because you have to guard the whole field when they're when they're out there together. Jack Sprat I don't can think no that. fat.
2: <laughs> I don't think there's any way that Kenny Clark and DJ Shark meet on the field in, in some capacity. But <sighs> the Baby Shark song will never leave my head. If Kenny Clark and I DJ Shark,
0: what, what if you had a what if you had a zone blitz with with him in a drop zone and Shark <laughs> running across her?
2: You know, even if that play didn't develop, I would already be screaming at my TV in joy if that were if that were to be the case. <laughs> Kenny Clark also, zone I, zone. I yes, take please.
0: issue with with the rundown here as well, calling oh it fact rally.
2: We were having a fac rally.
0: I believe fac would would be the, the, to 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 say that James Houston is having
2: a fac year. Kyler like, conned his way into a into a roster spot at the beginning of the year. James Houston was on the practice squad in week eight, and now he has eight sacks. That's insane. Look, That's a crazy crazy. Do game. not
0: disrespect Kyler the freak
2: facrell
1: <laughs> I also feel like Factor never had a string like this. Like he'd have like two here and then two games off and like two random other ones. This has just been every game. James Houston is had, getting uh, home.
0: In his big season, I think he had
1: three against the Bills. Yeah, I think one so. of which was just Josh, Josh Allen, Allen falling, falling down, down. I remember <laughs> very well. Uh, totally. <sighs> Chark Chuck, by the way, a nine nine three Raz, Watson a nine nine six. They're both tall and light and super fast. So they're they're great comps for each other
2: dj shark doo, 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 doo. uh so the lions the, the other thing i love I- that
0: you went with the the not official baby shark and you went with the uh cocomelon baby shark
2: where it slowed down a little bit
0: yeah, and, and also in a different key
2: yeah i got one-year-olds man the cocomelon cocomels <laughs> do is, i is a notice l- I-
0: I can I can spot the
2: difference in, in the baby shark sharks. Yeah, Jeez. that's that's tough. Well, I, I I don't personally have one year olds, but my sister does. So nephew needs cocoa melon say. seems to be yeah. cocoa melon the seems to be their thing. I <laughs> know. <Yeah>, <laughs> surprise! Uh, no, she's got one year old twins, and they are um, man, all it takes is that first chime on Cocomelon and they are drawn to the TV like uh, like you know like bugs to one of those bright blue lights. It's uh, it's pretty amazing, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the dun, other thing dun, about the dun, Lions, dun, dun,
0: dun, dun. the
2: Lions have oh, lost a lot of close games against really good teams. They have had a really tough schedule, and their record should be a lot better than 8-8, eight eight, quite honestly. So they're, they're a very real team. Quite honestly, they're a playoff caliber team, and uh, that, would, that would certainly worry me. I mean, there's just a lot of bad signs about that. They're, they are. they're, they're better than the Vikings. They... I think they're better than the Vikings.
1: This game is actually... I agree that they're better than the Vikings. I think it's not that close. One of the reasons they're hard to predict as a team, uh, Football Outsiders, amongst many, many of their other stats, keeps variance how different a team plays uh, from week to week. And Detroit is 32nd. They are all over the map. They play terrible one week and then great the next week. Uh, and you, you can see it up and down their schedule where they get blown up by Carolina, but they hang with the Bills, but they... Um, Play you know it's they they can lay stinkers and they have, and maybe that'll happen again. um they do have some home and road split problems if you're looking to be optimistic that might be a place to go but uh they're they're good they they're very quality offense their defense just needs to show up for them to be a power and occasionally it does uh just not every week consistently.
2: Yeah, the Carolina game was really disappointing, at least in this household, <laughs> to see them just just like completely fold like a tent. They just hadn't been like that. You know, they'd fought their way. They've kind of tooth and nail their way past the Jets, and then they just completely collapsed. It's like if they had just won that game, then it would be winner take all. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a little surprised that the, the NFL decided that the Packer game had to be the thing that uh, went to Sunday night because because of the Seattle thing we talked about earlier. But. Um, I, I, I do hope it ends up being winner take all. That's selfish because I'm sure people just assume the Packers have the best path possible. But I do hope that Seattle loses and and you see a, a, a game with all the marbles. I do. too. Sweet.
1: It's more fun that way.
2: Yeah. Uh, Are we on questions or should we? Is there anything else that we missed? I think we should do questions. It's uh,
1: other than that golf sucks outside for his career. Just mention that real
2: quick. No. I made a spreadsheet. I mean, yeah. I'm writing about it later. Uh, okay, let's do it, guys. Let's do it. Questions, Patreon uh, patrons go first. They got question priority. Mark puts Scarby always has the question priority. <laughs> it seems a playoff berth or a new defensive coordinator, pick one. Uh, and speaking of which, has Joe Barry actually turned this defense around, or are we just playing a string of crappy offenses?
1: Um, I- I'll take the playoff berth every time, and um, I, I think. Joe Barry should get credit. They have not just been playing crappy offenses. Even the Vikings, uh, for all we talked about them being frauds and whatnot, have a good offense. Like, that is not a bad offense at all. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football. Kirk, as much as we make fun of him, is like a good quarterback. He's a top 10-ish quarterback. Uh, shutting them down is an impressive feat. He is actually turning the defense around. But a lot of that's turnovers. Turnovers are fickle, so we'll see what happens. But they, they might go away. But... uh He's been good. It's been a good, good run.
0: Paul inadvertently addressing regression to the mean. Everybody drink.
2: <laughs> also saying fickle. Luke Fickle is at the Badgers game tonight that I am now watching on my TV. Giannis went for fifty-five points, and the Bucks did, in fact, win. All right, uh, if. If uh, the Badgers hold on, they've blown a big lead and then regained it. If they hold on, it will be a sweep for Wisconsin uh, basketball tonight between Marquette, uh, Wisconsin, and the Bucks. But uh, this game, this game's not over. All right, Patrick Detmer, we talked about him last week. Matub, you asked (laughs) last week if I was related to Packers quarterback and 1990 Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer. Allow me to interject. Paul dropped in a very clever Koi Detmer reference. Koi being, of course, the brother of Ty Detmer. I, neither tub nor I caught it on first reference. I heard it on playback, and I was very, very ashamed that I did not acknowledge <laughs> the well-placed pun. I felt very guilty that I did not Love acknowledge Love Koi Detmer. Anyway, all right, back to, uh, back to Patrick Detmer's question. The answer to that question depends on who you ask. My father told me after the Packers drafted him in 1992 that he was our sixth cousin, and six-year-old me treated this as <laughs> fact growing up. I later came to learn that my father... Like many boomers, have a habit of making outlandish claims that they present as fact without offering any actual evidence to support this claim. So our relation remains question mark at best. Uh, I don't think it remains a question mark, does it? I think it's nope, definitely think it's not a thing. Yeah. Sixth cousin. Sixth cousin. Also not a thing. This does bring me to the question for all of you. However, I have thought for a while it would be cool to have a custom-made Tide up 11 Packers jersey, but, but, but because I'm a small and petty man, I also openly judge people over the age of 16 who get a custom-made jersey with their name on the back. Does this technicality allow for me to skirt the rules in this instance, or would this turn me into the very people I enjoy mocking? Tub. So
0: I have I have, uh, uh experience in this. Um, there are I no went,
2: NFL players named Matonich, so I don't no, know. No, they're not
0: currently. I However, uh, I went to the local Packer watering hole Tony's during the rookie year of one T.J. Lang, and ran into four people wearing T.J. Lang jerseys before he was even the cemented starter.
2: Ooh, I love. And that. I
0: was like, I was like, hey, what's going on here? And they said our last name is Lang, so we all went out and got T.J. Lang jerseys made because he was a fourth round sure. pick. They didn't, you couldn't like. You had to get his jersey custom when he was a rookie. Um, if it's your last name, go Ham.
1: Yep. I'm, I'm solidly 100%. Pro, pro this, and I'm actually going to do it because, of course, the Packers once employed a defensive tackle named Danny Noonan in the... Who 19, is your brother? In the 1992 season. I believe his son is committed to Madison. Is that correct? Maverick. Ooh, I did not know Maverick that. Maverick Noonan, I believe. Maverick Noonan?
2: That's a hell of a name. Uh, as a basketball player. Basketball no. player.
1: I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't follow college. I just know that there's a Maverick Noonan who's Danny Noonan's son.
2: But not your brother, Danny Noonan. That not, is a different Danny not Noonan. Not my brother.
1: Danny Noonan, yeah. also an uh, outstanding Tech Mobile selection. He plays for the Cowboys in the game. He is overrated for some reason. So...
2: You know, I used to. I, I always thought of when I would wear Brewers. Oh, Maverick minor...
1: Noonan commits to Nebraska. Never mind. Boom. Oh, tough scene.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. someone has to take the spot
0: of the coldest Crawford after he moved on. <laughs>
2: the coldest crawford nebraska um i (laughs) uh, i would always wear brewers minor league hats and i felt in a way when i would go out in public that it was like fishing you know you find the people who are really into the brewers if you find brewer people who recognize brewers minor league hats do you know how many like Next level Packers fans will be like, "Holy smokes, a Ty Detmer jersey!" First of all, they're all going to be boomers because 1992 is the year Ty Detmer was drafted. Yep. So you're talking about a different generation, but that would be an awesome way to break the ice with with anyone in public who clearly knows their Packers stuff. So absolutely do that. I had a Josh Sitton custom-made jersey. Sitton is not my last name, so it is not the same thing, but like, it is totally cool to get a custom-made jersey of a player who would not otherwise have a jersey for sale. I encourage that wholeheartedly. No one will, will know the wiser that it's a last name tie-in anyway. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. So
0: the, another thing I love is it doesn't even necessarily have to be a super off-the-wall player. I have a KGB jersey, which I used to wear regularly. Before he is the whole, now
2: presently off the wall. Yeah, yeah
0: before, before the cult thing. I used to wear my KGB jersey pretty regularly, and uh, I would I would go to a Packer bar, and people would be like, "Who is that?" And then I def- all- I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, keep going. Uh, no, I, like people would be like, "Who is that?" And they were like my age, and I was like, "Okay, you're not that young. Like that's not, <laughs> come on." And then of course all the older people would be like, "Yeah, you know KGB. I can't believe he took Reggie's record and blah 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 blah." Like,
1: yep.
2: I do have one recollection of walking into a bar and people seeing uh, me wearing the, the, the Jersey. And then they're like, you know, seeing me from the front and they're like talking amongst themselves. And then, then as I pass them, you could hear them say, Oh, I told you that was sitting. <laughs> Cause you know, no know knows. <laughs> no one knows the number offhand, hands. So oh. you know, it's just
0: somebody on the offensive line. Uh, Christmas Eve, 2016. I went to Lambeau field to watch the Packers beat the hell out of the Vikings. Ran into a guy wearing a Kentrell Bryce Jersey.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a deep cut. That's that's family. Uh, it, that's right. turns that's family. out it was his cousin. It was not his cousin. It was his first cousin. Beautiful. Yeah, that's family. There's You always know when you're in, a, in, especially pregame tailgate, you know, the people wearing the Quentin Rollins jerseys, they're family. You know, like there's always <laughs> there's always a level of player where you're like, yeah, that, that group of people, you know, like the Pat O'Donnell jerseys that you see over there.
0: They're related. Here's the thing: the dude in the Kentrell Bryce jersey was huge. He was like six four, three (laughs) hundred pounds.
2: Kentrell Bryce wasn't that big, was he? (laughs) Kentrell Bryce was tiny. He was tiny. (laughs) I mean, obviously, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't three hundred pounds. I knew that for sure. But like, I didn't think he was that tall either. So, Uh, all right, right. Patrick Detmer also said, "Is zadarius Smith the Paul Allen of edge rushers, or is Paul (laughs) Allen the (laughs) zadarius Smith of Homer Sports broadcasters?" You uh, think
0: Paul Allen will get a custom medallion of a golden microphone that I he wears? I feel because... like it's a good comp. I I, I think <laughs>
2: Paul Allen w- would actually do that. That sounds like him. I I I feel like Paul Allen would shake hands in the pregame coin flip with the other Homer broadcasters. That's just me though. Mm. I don't know for sure. Fair
1: point. I, I feel like if he fa- he might find some kind of like non-existent slight to to do it.
0: They'll yeah, look. but you say Homer broadcasters. Like, like the Packers don't really have a Paul Allen. Larry. Larry's... I mean, but La- like, La- Larry... I Larry is still... <laughs> I would, I'm not going to say he's fair and balanced. No, but he's, he's still not. not on Paul, he's not on Paul Allen's level. I mean, like, Paul Allen is like... like a...
1: Larry's a cheerleader, and Paul Allen is every player's best friend. That's the difference no. between them. Mm. Paul
0: Allen is, like, worse than most bloggers.
2: <laughs> he's... He, yeah. I... I... I'm not gonna lie to you. I still enjoy Paul Allen very much, mostly for the schadenfreude, but it is—it's <laughs> like Hawk Harrelson for the Chicago White Sox, who was obviously a homer and and just truly kind of terrible at some of the aspects of the job. But I loved I loved him. It was it was funny listening to him. I enjoyed it. So that's where I'm at. Zadarius Smith makes me sad because he was very good for the Packers. You know, two great years and seemed like an affable guy. He was easy to root for. Something about that captain thing, which which seemed like a, an own goal, seemed like a needless yeah. thing to even have. That that clearly hurt him. He's a very emotional guy. I don't know how much it played into him only playing one game, his final season in Green Bay. But there's some weirdness there. And then the Packers don't want him back for completely understandable reasons with their salary cap situation. But like, clearly it hurt him. And and I feel I, I I'm conflicted about that because that it, it sucks. It's the business of football to a degree, but also it it kind of. It kind of sucks. And the captain thing feels like something that didn't have to happen that that did. So I don't know, man. Well, doesn't make me sad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How could you even ponder passing well, going to from... take a knee and kick a 46 yard field
2: goal. Yep. This is a Detroit going, man. going
1: from one relative of, of a football player to another. Now
2: uh, Ted Johnson says, do you think the Packers brass finally started listening to this podcast and subsequently started implementing those strategies as the new brain trust for the Packers? Are we still firing Joe Barry? Romo sure seemed to like him on the broadcast.
1: I would still move on from Joe Barry. Um, okay. Do, and, and, yes, somebody is listening and implementing our strategies. Look, that is
0: correct. Tony Romo said the words Adrian Anus on a national <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> he,
2: he sure did. He sure did. Uh, Wisconsin's own Tony Romo. It's yes. stuff
1: stuff. Um, I, yeah, I do I, like that. Like I, I will say this. Um, when you are just people with podcasts and who write on blogs and well i exclude jr from that who actually writes for a real place um it's easy to dismiss our opinions as just the rantings of lunatics and that we don't know as much as people in the organization and when they make changes that reflect the changes you've been urging them to make it is a little bit validating so it's, oh, nice. it's so
0: good yes. it, it oh man it, the relief that washes over you <laughs>
1: and i do th- i do think that they need to be continue to be honest in their assessments of things. And if Joe Barry has legitimately turned over a new leaf and started, um, you know, taking in new information and making changes on the fly, um, and this is this reality of the Packers being better at defense reflects him getting better, that's fine. And then they should keep him. Um, that, you know, there's no reason to go outside. You don't punish a guy for getting better at his job. You shouldn't do that. But if they look back on the season and they do their assessments, And this is like Jerry Gray saying, like, uh, you know, screw this. We're just going to do different things with the defensive backs now. (laughs) And Joe Barry not doing that, um, then no, you still move on. And I have no reason to think that's the case at all. Just speculating on something that could be. But if 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 a lot of these changes are from above or from somewhere else, um, and Joe Barry was either resistant or anything like that, then yeah, you still move on. Like you you credit where credit's due, and you don't give credit where it's not.
2: The 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 one aspect, and this is no secret, that occasionally will be missed by podcasters bloggers journalists the whole the whole lot all of us uh is the you know if you picture your own workplace it is extremely difficult to sort of move on from a colleague who isn't perfect at their job or isn't great at their job but is okay at their job and is extremely easy to work with and is somebody that you're close to and somebody that you've shared a lot with and have a deep connection to like as a coordinator that stuff is not just superfluous stuff that you dismiss you know he's he's not out on the field it's not all about stats with him it's legitimately coordinating and that can be just the interpersonal stuff and he might be tremendous at that he and might. that's really hard to say goodbye to because that's impossible to evaluate and especially if you're just looking at a stat sheet versus like what what do you bring to the table that can't be measured so so that is something that's that's tough and you know it's hard to ask even someone like Matt LaFleur to judge as coldly as Look, he's just you could do better. There are going to be people who would love to be defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers who are probably more skilled than Joe Barry, but you know, that's saying you should move on from this person that you developed a really good relationship with and who does okay. You know, okay <laughs> in many cases might might justify a really good relationship. It's just a it's just a really hard ask. And so I I respect that a lot has to go into it. Obviously, I would I would move on too, yeah. but it's 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 really tough. It's tough to say. All right, it's our guy, old man on a bike in Shirlington. I'm an old man on a bike who wants to see the similarities to the 2010 Super Bowl run as much as I want to see e-bikes <laughs> banished from walking paths. However, I'm worried this is more of a 2016 team where they made a run but never seemed like they had a chance to beat the Falcons in the NFC Championship. The Packers looked solid and played hard on Sunday, but to me they haven't looked like the juggernaut they were late in 2010 when teams seemingly didn't want to play the six-seed Packers in the playoffs. So what say you? Which team is the current squad more like, 2010 or 2016? I think it's more like 2010. Um, it's not interesting. It's not exactly like 2010.
1: They're not as good, but they're they're better than the 2016, which was really really beat up and like couldn't put an entire team on the field. Uh, that the Falcons game they lost because they had no secondary players. Uh, Ladarius Gunter was covering Julio Jones. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, this team is close to being 2010 like they are fourth in DVOA over the last few weeks they have steadily improved in all facets of the game turnovers have started happening whether they're sustainable or not a different question special teams has improved they've gotten better there the running game is working the offensive line has started to gel it really comes down to completing the integration with Christian Watson as an actual number one receiver and Aaron going to ham a little bit here and playing like Aaron for like a five-game stretch that would be that would be lovely if that happens they can actually be this and and old veterans can sometimes pull that off for a short stretch so So it's it's not I pulled yeah I I pulled
0: the I pulled a comparison out today that I'm kind of proud of that I think that this team is like the 2011 Giants
1: (laughs) Uh, the 2011 Giants they were were outscored by eight points on the season What's that? They were outscored by eight points on the season. The 2011 the Giants. The Packers were or the, no, Giants? the Giants? It's
0: the Giants. But, like, the, the 2011 Giants got hot at the right time. They were, like, plucky. No one really saw them making the playoffs. Go on to be the Giant killers. But that's kind of the vibe that I, I'm i getting from this team as opposed to... Because the 2010 team, they were good the whole time. Yeah, they were. The, really the thing unlucky. with
1: the 2010 team is they, they were, like, the opposite of this year's Vikings. They... They underperformed their underlying metrics with their record. They were always better than what their record was, and when they got to the playoffs, regression came and hit them, and they turned into the juggernaut that they secretly were the whole time. This Packers team is not a secret juggernaut. They are a team that has improved lately. So you're right about that.
2: And healthy, like which knock on wood, Rashawn Gary is obviously a major loss, and Eric Stokes is debatably a huge loss, but they are they're doing okay health wise at the right time of year so so that's something that is is even more in their favor than what the 2010 team had going i think the 2010 team it was it was different it was the running game had been so just meh and then james starks came along and kind of added that last bit you know brandon jackson was pretty effective at times and you know they were just able to to dash just enough into that and then the defense i mean they just made play after play like the the you know, the Falcons game has a, a pick six before halftime. The Philadelphia game has a huge interception at the end. We know what's go. you know, we know how big the interceptions were in Chicago. They just made plays. I mean, I do think there's a lot of scenarios where the 2010 team doesn't come close to matching what they were able to do. And, and I do feel like this team has that in them. I, I do. He's th- when he brought up 2016, the vibes felt similar to me. Like, do I think this team can go to the Super Bowl? No, I do not. I do not think anything close to that. Just like in 2016, I didn't, I didn't believe it for a second. Although, You know you get into the nfc championship game you start to wonder because you didn't think atlanta was that much better than green bay even though they clearly turned out to be that much better than green bay but um you know i i i do feel that this there is a ceiling but i probably felt that way in 2010 too and just don't remember just remember it differently because of how it turned out all right you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller since the nfl is clearly rigged in favor of the packers (laughs) Let's them wet the field in such a way that only disadvantages the opponent and even gives them the schedule that (laughs) magically granted them two home games to end the season. Is there any way the league doesn't ref the Packers to victory against Detroit this week? Also, if the Packers do manage to make it there, is there any force in the known universe, whether it's Packers on their own merits or league rigging it for them, divine intervention or something else that may allow them to beat San Francisco in the (laughs) wildcard round?
0: Look, man, it doesn't matter if if God, Yahweh, Vishnu and any other deity is helping the Packers aren't beating San Francisco in the wild.
2: card. (laughs) I I only the only reason I disagree with you is because the NFL is weird and I would have said the same thing going into the Cowboys game in 2016 that they won. So like anything is possible. Also, there's only a 50% chance that they would end up against San Francisco. There are scenarios, I think, relatively plausible ones specifically that they face Minnesota, yeah. but also Dallas and Philadelphia on the table as well. Uh, the Philadelphia one in particular, I think, has has some real life, some real merit to it. Um, most likely they will see San Francisco. I, I could see all four of the favorites winning in these Week 18 games.
1: Just another instance of a, a Redditor thinking something is much wetter than it actually is.
0: <laughs> hey! beer, beer, But also, my favorite part about the field condition storyline is that the Vikings coaches were like you guys need to practice all week in your seven stud cleats
1: yeah that that was something that was mentioned after the game also like half <laughs> the vikings used to be on the packers like Shannon sullivan and zadaria smith and freaking ed donatel and mike petten uh like th- there's no mystery here every every viking excuse was a self-own this this week like the the field conditions the uh,
0: like, you couldn't prepare for a wet field? What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, so I love it. They were like, they wetted the field. There was no rain in the forecast. And then a bunch of locals were like, guys, it rained last night for like three hours.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They have played at Lambo before. They have. A couple, and later in the there. season. Too. Yes. Yeah. They have? Since and they played in Chicago before. Like, they are used to turfs being <laughs> weathered. <laughs> they should figure it out. They no should. sympathy. Also, uh, PJ, oh,
1: really, one more thing. This is a team that literally used to pipe crowd noise into their stadium. Uh, Like, like, that was a thing they did and were not shy about. I don't want to hear any crap from the Vikings about altering the natural, uh, you know, stadium. Like, you've pulled a lot of garbage on your
2: own. Knock it off. Uh, they they do get a nice little break here with the two games at the end of the year, though. Uh, I have to have to admit, they, it it rotates. All the, they're always ending like in Detroit, but uh, but a nice little break this year. I guess also, you...
0: what people don't realize to get two home games at the end of their season, you have to play extra road games before that.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: the Packers also he... played a home game in Europe, so I, I don't want to hear any of that either.
2: Also true. Also a good point. Actually, kind of part when their season went downhill was that home game in yeah, Europe. It was. Mm-hmm. PJ Wessel says, "JR, please expand. Oh, that's me. On your thread about scheduling the Bills and Chiefs games on different days next week and how that could affect stuff, is that more blatantly tampering than what we saw against the Vikings? Uh, This is the first time since 2018 the Packers finished the season at home. They also have not finished the season against the Vikings since 2015. Did the league miss an opportunity for for a game of the season this year by not doing Vikings-Packers in Week 18? I did give this some thought. Um, So what he's referring to is I brought up that the the, the NFL had – potentially and again this is assuming all games do get played as they were scheduled here in week 18 Um, and it's a little different now but they, they had set up a situation where they could undercut the Bills Patriots game on Sunday because they're playing the Chiefs Raiders game on Saturday it was it was possible that the Chiefs outcome could impact what was going to happen in, in Buffalo and New England and, and possibly set it up where Buffalo knew their playoff destiny they knew that they could be locked into the two seed this was if they had lost Cincinnati in a game that ultimately didn't get played but uh with that locked in, they would just rest, rest their starters, starters, of course, yeah. and then New England would have a much easier path to themselves needing a win to getting that last playoff spot. I think I think it'd be them over Miami. So um, I things things have changed a little bit now. In fact, the thing to really think about now is if if the Chiefs win this last game, Buffalo is going to be a half game back of them for the top seed and, and would have would have had the tiebreaker. Uh, If if both teams win this last game, so like the, you know, losing a game against Cincinnati, unfortunately would keep them from the top seed. I realize nobody cares about that right now, but that is something to discuss down the line. Um, but but even so i mean what he's what, this is what we we're bringing up earlier by having the seattle and detroit games at different times you have the potential to impact the product of the second game knowing the outcome this is this is you know it hasn't always been this way where they set all the times for week 18 at the same time so i don't know you know there's i'm sure a lot of history of this sort of thing happening where teams go into the final week thinking that they're going to have a playoff chance that dies early in the day and so at night, you know, maybe somebody else's fortune's turn because this team decided they were out or locked in and they rested their starters. So, I don't really think it's it's tampering or anything. I don't think the NFL is intentionally doing it. I think they see that Green Bay is going to have a win and get in situation and Green Bay is a massive TV draw and they decided that would be a good Sunday night game and they don't care about anything else. I mean, I think that's probably true. That's Occam's razor. They just care about the most the the biggest likelihood for ratings not what makes the most ethical sense or like yeah. you know the most egalitarian sense i don't know does that all make sense to you guys yep yes it makes perfect sense <laughs> <laughs> lately joel osmit between rich Pisacchi and jerry gray which is the better internal candidate for defensive coordinator <laughs> also if Rashawn gary suited up for this game with the vikings have scored at all or would cousins have gone full kaepernick and kept things interesting it's
1: it's an, <laughs> I love the, in, the interesting point about Rashawn Gary being bad at run defense. Uh, it it went to, <laughs> wouldn't have mattered in this game because the Vikings couldn't have run the ball effectively anyway. But their offensive line was too banged up, and Dalvin's had a bad year. Uh, but uh, fair point. Rashawn Gary is not without his weaknesses, and their pass rush hasn't really suffered without him, which is insane, but true. Uh, Jerry Gray is the better internal candidate for defensive for sure. coordinator because Rich Bisaccia is a special teams coordinator, and that is what he is best at and you don't want to do that. Um, yeah, you don't
2: want to mess with that. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I do think Jerry Grey would get a very legitimate look if they decided. I mean, you you could have you could get rid of Joe Barry and keep continuity by having Jerry Grey. Yeah. in the series.
1: So uh this is just nonsense feelings, but I feel like Jerry Grey might be something. Um I just like the way that the secondary hasn't dropped off, even with losing Stokes and integrating special teams guys, um, they seem to have improved. If anything, it's and I, I like the the creativity with Darnell Savage after deciding he's not the guy. Still, like getting him on the field in slot corner in, in
2: a useful way occasionally. Felt so. this way. Speaking of twenty ten about Joe Witt who was in charge of the secondary I think just the cornerbacks on that Super Bowl team really thought he was going to end up you know moving up being a defensive coordinator some at some point but he kind of stayed in that role for a long time yeah he did uh, and he became like defensive passing game coordinator, or some something. This is according to Wikipedia. I don't even know if that's <laughs> legit, but that's probably true. Uh, and then he kind of bounced around just doing the same thing. Secondary coach for, uh, for a couple other teams. And uh, I feel like that's a little w- wasted on him. He's with the Cowboys now. Um, so working still with Mike McCarthy, which makes perfect sense. But like that, that dude, that dude was awesome. Made Tremont yep. Williams a star. So uh he did. I mean, Tremont Williams made Tremont Williams a star, but you know what I mean? Um, Alright, where are we at? Dr. Hillbilly, is the lack of practice time together or Father Time's ice-cold grasp that leads to Aaron Rodgers overthrowing Christian Watson so often?
1: I think part of it was just Aaron being, expecting Watson to get through contact a little quicker. He made one awful throw that was out of bounds to an open Watson, but uh, I wish he would just put a little more air under it. I think sometimes Aaron's his own worst enemy, trying to put it directly in the basket to the deep guys. uh, When the, the way to hit Watson is just throw it out there and let him run under it, and
2: he doesn't. do that. And that's
0: enough. what he did in the terrible pass out of bounds. It was did you see the
2: trajectory. <laughs> yeah, it was a moonball. <laughs> Brian Polakowski says, "I have no evidence, but what does it seem like? D- does it seem like DPI and defensive holding are barely being called anymore? Both the Dolphins and Vikings games seem like there were more than a few no calls going both ways. It's very
1: official specific, and it is not consistent enough." The Packers have definitely have not had; they've had a a lot of contact allowed games uh, lately. That is for sure true. Uh, I haven't watched the whole league, so maybe it has been a late season thing. In the playoffs, refs do famously uh, and uh, verifiably let contact go more than they do during the regular season. As we wind down, maybe that's starting to creep in a little bit. Um, But uh, it's definitely true for the Packers. There have been far fewer secondary penalties uh for both teams lately and uh if you get the refs to call everything that can change but so far that's not been the case for them
2: i wonder if it would hurt them to see a ref who calls it tight cuz i don't you know i don't feel like there's like a ton of press coverage going on per se that would necessarily throw them too far off you know i feel like most of their coverage has been pretty solid it there's would, certainly a would play be... here and there i think
1: it would have hurt them against the vikings they were very very physical
0: I, I think it would, it would hurt Resul.
1: Resul is very physical all the time that's Re- probably Re- true Jarek can can adjust to running with guys if you start to call stuff on the physical side, but I still think it hurts them overall. They're best when they can beat people up.
2: That's Mm -hmm. good for the playoffs, by the way, when whistles tend to get swallowed.
1: Yeah, for sure. If they make it.
2: (laughs) Brett Smith says, if you guys haven't talked about it already, can you help explain Quay's performance this year? He's been pretty inconsistent, but I'm not sure if it's a player or coaching issue or maybe him just being a rookie.
1: I think it's mostly just him being a rookie. He, uh, Tyler's all over Quay every week. He does like a post on him every week on Twitter. And he just, when he has problems, he's not following his reads and his fits properly. But he, especially lately, has started flashing the athleticism, especially in pass coverage, where he's getting his hands on balls. He is doing a really good job following tight ends and running backs. And when they do stick him at edge like twice a game to actually get some pass rush out of him, he's pretty good at it uh you can definitely see why they like him he just needs to improve his reads and i think that just comes from practice that's rookie stuff uh there's reason to be excited there and i think he'll improve as time goes on
2: i definitely lean toward him being really good yeah. at, at some point like in a year or two but uh i don't know we've we've had guys like that before rookies who who appeared to be on their way to something and then it just fizzles <laughs> Price Trozen, not so much a question as an observation, but Touré's blocking is solid. He had some nice ones, especially on Big Bob's reception just before Rodgers' touchdown run. We talked about that earlier. Uh, P.S. Aaron's new haircut, thank goodness.
1: (laughs)
0: He has the same haircut as the last time he won MVP.
2: He does. He should keep it.
1: I agree with you. Touré's blocking has actually improved a lot over the course of the season. Not that we see a ton of it. Um, There were some rumblings of his uh, work practice ethic uh, in the middle of the season and I think his blocking is maybe a way of showing that he has kind of turned the corner on that uh, gotten himself into games but yeah he was uh, at least on his few snaps
2: he was laying people out he looked good Mattingly sideburns. I know you all don't like shot plays on fourth and short, no. but can I interest you in a shot play on fourth and short between a wide receiver that didn't practice all week and a quarterback <laughs> that barely practiced? If you are not sold, what if I told you the two had questionable chemistry to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, I, it,
1: I it it's gonna give me it it just drives me insane. I hate it so much. He needs to stop it. It's very annoying.
2: They're going to connect on one of these. And yes, they great. will.
1: Then they'll do it 20 more times and miss on nineteen of them. That is what will that happen. That could be.
2: That could be. Uh, I will also say, in, in fairness, they are... I would say that Watson and Rodgers, maybe, yes, it didn't start out on the right foot, but they definitely have chemistry now in yeah. that he, he is trying to pass the ball to Christian Watson a lot. Yes. A lot, a lot, a lot. So... You know there's something there. All right, Matthew Van Hoovalen. I think Kayshawn Nixon is a free agent after the season. What should the Packers do with him and what do you think they will do with him? So we did kind of talk about this earlier. I, I do I do not think they'll sign.
1: I don't either. They should give him two years and like some nine million bucks or something like that, but I don't think they will. They're they're cash strapped and he's gonna be one of those things you can't afford when you're cash strapped. Yeah. Yep. Luxury item.
2: Yep. Luxury item. It's unfortunate i mean it is also like in a macro sense they they've had terrible return games for years and years and they've still mostly made the playoffs in those years so this is not an essential essential thing it's like a great hitting catcher you can get away without it you can give it away it's it's a great option to have but you can get away without that um i'd rather not get go without it though for the next couple games uh ted korth a question for next week's pod um oh, okay so he said nixon makes it look so easy when he returns kicks amari made it look like rocket science why is Nixon so much better? Better Is it vision of the field ahead? Toughness? Lack of fear? Just so interesting to see night and day difference in a vital phase of the game. I thank St. Vincent. They made the switch. I think it's really hard to judge
1: what makes a kick returner good. And if it were easy, they'd be better scouted. Um, I think it was Matt actually floated. Maybe it was a questioner, but somebody floated. No, it, was the a theory. Question, it was a questioner. A questioner floated a theory that perhaps working in on the coverage teams... Uh, is beneficial towards actually becoming a returner and sort of understanding what blocks are setting up in front of you, uh, the lane responsibilities, and things like that. And I think there may be some validity to that. uh, When you sort of understand that vision at a high level and then you just also happen to be a dynamic returner who's good at heading upfield, that just might be the combination that works there. But uh, I wish I could give you a more definitive answer. I just think Amari... was too tentative, maybe even a little scared. Did not read his blocks well at all. Got going laterally. That's the sort of uh, you're not a returner is when you start running sideways. Like you got to run forward. You got to just be fearless that you might get drilled by a guy coming right at you. Amari didn't have that. Did far too much lateral movement trying to escape contact. And uh, half the battle on return guys is just can you head up field when you need to.
2: When you picture the Desmond Howard kickoff return dude just goes for it just straight up the straight gut up the let's gut. let's go let's make it happen 13 seconds from goal line to goal line that's all it takes I don't even know if it's that long so uh yep I hear that all right uh let's see this is, are we on Danny Noonan? we're on Danny we yes we're on uh me. Danny Noonan not not the former Packers player whose son is apparently going to Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska yes I'm asking you because the last thing I want to do is Google this and have ads for it to start appearing. <laughs> What's the deal with the stupid big hat one of the Packers wear after
1: a game? Uh, we, I think we've covered this one. But, we did cover uh, it. Uh, uh, they are they are big hats. They are a trend. They are they're officially a thing. You should sell like them. They, a, sell them they at they the gym, really
2: Danny. Stupid, right? Like they are really
0: really dumb. <laughs> they're the urban sombrero. Um, that's what okay, they are. but like, how is it any different than the time in the '90s when everybody was wearing jamaica hats?
2: Pretty sure that was only you, Mattel. But I'm not sure. I, it was an I actual never actual
0: Matt, do you I, know I, how old I was when Jameriquai was popular? Uh, Matt, I was,
1: insane. I was, um, I was busy today with work, but I literally have a text written to you in Acme Packing Company Slack that is, can can you Photoshop Jair's head onto Jameriquai, <laughs> covering covering Justin Jefferson like sitting
0: on the couch? Like
2: I little. Literally... <laughs> oh my god! I have to have this
0: okay f- finish the text so i can remember tomorrow all right I'll, I'll, it for you. I'll go try it down and hit look, send look jr the, the, the future <laughs> is made of virtual insanity I, I didn't send it because i was
1: gonna go find a clip of virtual insanity that would work for what i wanted and i never got around to
2: it well, i still have it it's gonna it's <laughs> the music you heard introing the show now right <laughs> you've already settled it, on something it sure
0: is Yep. Oh or, or gosh. podcast name virtual insanity.
2: I need that, like, I need water. I need <laughs> that. Is amazing. <laughs> okay. All right, we're on to Twitter questions. Depth of Flying Things, uh, Spectre of Wax is the handle there. Nick, does it, yes, Nick, does it really <laughs> matter if the Packers water down the field? Isn't the whole point of home field to make your stadium the way you like it to hopefully gain an advantage?
0: Yes, yes, it is. Yes, that's good. Right. Also, the Also, people said that it actually rained, so did they water it down? And also,
2: who cares? Like, it
1: rains on football fields are wet sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the the whole idea that underpinning the stupid conspiracy theory that it would help the Packers to have a wet field is just stupid on its face. Like, it's, it's not helpful or hurtful to have a wet field. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's just asinine.
2: It's weird that instead of cleats the Packers brought ice skates to today's <laughs> game. That's unusual. Weird. Okay, also,
0: didn't the Giants win an NFL championship because they bought sneakers at halftime? <laughs> is that true or is that just urban legend? It's it was in the one of the books I read about the the founders of the NFL. Oh, okay. I don't know. That like like the the field was frozen so the Giants went out and bought sneakers at halftime.
2: Smart. Equipment guys back in the day, like absolute legends because they had to, there were so many more variables than there are now and so much less information. <laughs> Matt, you put so many now. discord questions in. Oh my God. Oh my God. We I thought we were I'm done. sorry.
0: We've we ignored our discord for far too long. All right, let's go fast.
2: All right, John Ramos, MTG. We decided that was Magic together. Yeah. Could someone explain how they are so bad at less than five yards to go like I am five? Yeah, their quarterback, <laughs> this is a good question. It is.
1: Their quarterback runs RPOs incorrectly and doesn't have a good value analysis of picking up a first down versus hitting a home run. That's their entire and
0: problem. Also, the things that they should be good at, like having their, their good off-tackle running back run off-tackle and their good uh, power running back, running back run power yeah. plays – Neither of them are good in less than five yards
1: for some reason. Well, Aaron Jones should be out there on these plays. That's the thing, because you he he is better than A.J. Dillon at getting short yardage. He just is, and they don't realize that. It's an old NFL fallacy that still infects them that big guys are better at getting one yard than small guys are. It's not true at all. Um, it's it's much easier for small guys to find space and hit it than big guys who just run into people's
2: butts all the time.
1: So, yeah, that that's, that also is bad.
2: I know Shishi Boy uh asks the same question that has been asked about less seeing less DPI and defensive holding this year. Uh he also adds, somebody tell Rogers to stop targeting it if it's not working. Which fair point. Yeah. Uh see, Hutler. So I'm not going to blame uh John Ramos for speaking the Barry situation <laughs> into existence. But is it now is it now a thing? It's now a thing. Is it not? We are indeed stuck with the guy, aren't we? John Ramos responded. If the entire issue is that execution was the issue, I do not care who is in the spot. But if Barry is really good enough, fine. But if they still stick it up in the playoffs, bro, bro, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, that, that about covers it.
1: And uh, yeah, don't blame John for speaking it into existence. It's just in existence by the virtue of the fact that they've been better on
0: defense lately. Oh, and then C. Heller responds. Geez, <laughs> uh, that's little... not the that's not the real <laughs> question here. The question is. Do we believe Barry was, is the instrumental in the D's turnaround? The larger sample size would say he's the bug, not the feature. I don't know about that. Um, It depends on who's
1: responsible for making some of the positive changes that have occurred for perhaps coaching up uh, J.J. Anigbari, for perhaps uh, integrating Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon in useful ways, for getting Darnell Savage to play in a different way, for um, moving Kenny Clark to a more equitable, not equitable, to a position where he can do more damage. Um, uh, It depends on who did all that stuff. And we don't know that the, the team presumably does. But hopefully they make the right
2: decision based on that information. If the team could just tell us, that would be, great. that would be awesome, extremely yes. helpful. Jonathan deal Packers owner. The defensive line seems to dominate, seem to dominate on Sunday. Was it because Dean Lowry was out or because the Vikings were down to a bunch of second and third stringers? I mean, yes. Yeah, to both. Both. Um,
1: both. And it what Dean Lowry being out is actually secretly huge for them. He, uh, he, <laughs> he should not have been playing as much. The Vikings' offensive line had nothing. Atra- they were they atrocious. Were, They're very they bad. Were so bad. That's one of the one of the things that's going to be rough against the Lions. The Lions have an elite offensive line. It's it's going to be a complete change from this game.
0: Yeah, and their tackle can actually
2: catch passes. Penny. <laughs> Indeed. Penny, I love you so much, Penny. I made that reference earlier this week. Every time I see Penny Sewell's name, I think of Penny, not Penny's boat. Uh, Matthew 84 This is the last one. Earlier this season, I remember thinking that Kayshawn Nixon didn't look like a kick returner, but what the heck? Somebody has to do it. The coaches throughout his career have seemingly had the same opinion. He, we we were all very, very, very wrong. So what are his traits that make him so good? And in general, what are the traits that make one good at returning kicks?
0: Good have... vision, fearless. A little crazy.
1: Yep. Also good straight line speed, which Keystar Nixon does have. He is one of the fastest straight line players on the team. He did not test well for shiftiness at the combine. That does not always matter for kick returners. It really is about getting up ahead of steam. And once you get past everybody, making sure nobody can catch you.
0: Uh, and uh, he's good at that. Remember when Jeff Janis returned kicks?
2: No.
0: That was no. the thing that happened. That actually happened. I actually don't remember that. It was a very short amount. Okay. Well, there Jeff you go. Jeff
2: Janis has like one, essentially two highlights in Packers canon that truly matter. They yep. happen on back-to-back plays. It sure did. That's all you need from Jeff Janis. Yep. Uh, um,
0: Jeff Janis will... was a Pro Bowl special teamer. I don't care what anybody says. Budabaker Baker did not deserve the Pro Bowl that year over Jeff Janis.
2: Bud Baker's <laughs> a better player overall, so it all comes yes, out the but Jeff
0: Janis was the better special teamer and deserved the special team the slot in the Pro Bowl. Issue. The gold glove. Yeah, yeah. I don't care.
2: Yeah. Um, Travis Williams, best kick returner in Packers history. Five touchdowns, including four in one season in 1967. He was a rookie. He returned four kicks for a touchdown that remains an NFL record, a tied for an NFL record. Uh, This is what I learned putting together that kick returner list at jsonline.com. That's wild. Four kick returns in one season for touchdown. Uh, Two in one game. Two in one quarter. But in in the first quarter of a game, the the Packers scored 35 points in the the first quarter. Travis Williams returned two kicks for touchdowns in that quarter. That's nuts. That's going to be hard to top yeah that's wild they won that game <laughs> uh that's it guys we're done with the questions. Yeah, we're done
1: and uh Woo. we should wrap up because it's it's long it's late uh, yeah.
2: all
0: right before we No, run... it's not that this is long we started really
2: late no, it's also long um it's like
1: it's super long man
2: really quick jr plugs quick uh well there is that article i, I did my tiebreaker scenarios thing uh did pretty well although now it's pretty simple for people yep uh they 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 could play like i said san francisco 50 percent chance 25 percent chance they play minnesota uh and then 12.5 each for both dallas and philadelphia i think the philadelphia option is a little bit more likely than than that sounds so uh that's a possibility and if a playoff start in philadelphia on the road for the bottom seed in the nfc that has to win a bunch of games at the end of the year i don't know i'm just saying it feels 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 like we've been there before it does so uh that could be cool. Uh, but other than that, not much. Just uh, just find everything that I'm, I'm doing and my colleagues are doing it at jsonline.com. Nice.
1: Thank you. Matt's going to be making a Jamiroquai meme, but what else are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all I got. I'm, I will be working on a Jamiroquai meme this week. <laughs> all right. Great. Uh, I've got my Shepherd Express column up. Uh, you can go see that, I think, right now. Um, and we will be previewing the Lions, have the mini-pod later this week. Um, a little worried about this one, but that's it. Um, and, and, of course, if the game doesn't happen we'll figure out what we're going to do next week but um hopefully everything turns out okay and everything kind of works out nfl wise as well and uh we get back on schedule um but uh you know it will you never know it's a weird weird nfl time right now so uh, anyway uh, i'm not going to say enjoy the games this week because who knows what's going to happen but we'll be back next week one way or another